Hey everyone, Don Sarah here. It's sex gets real. This episode is split into two parts. The first half is me fielding a couple of questions that came in from all of you that I've been eager to get to. And the second half is an interview with the My Lab Box co-founder, Laura Ivanova. And we talk all about STIs and stigma and tests that most of us don't even know we're supposed to be getting if we want to be totally aware of our status and options for now testing at home if you're in the U.S. because of course uh, universal health care and access to tests isn't as common here as it is in a lot of other countries and so uh, I hope you enjoy the entire hour. Also, this episode is, of course, sponsored by the amazing, the sexy Hotels by Day. And as we move towards the holidays and towards New Year's, if you either just need to get away from all of the family hubbub, you need to get away from the kids for a day, you just want to kind of spend the middle of a day taking care of you, or you're looking for a super sexy, hot place to kind of rekindle some of that intimacy amid all of the family obligations, uh, you can go to hotelsbyday.com. They're offering 5% off to Sex Gets Real listeners. All you have to do is use the offer code SGR for Sex Gets Real and then 5 off. So SGR 5 off. You can treat yourself to a daytime hotel stay at many major cities around the world and give yourself that chance to either just be blissfully alone and unplugged or naked, hot, and sexy. I'm also starting something brand new with 2017, listener confessions. That means I need your confessions to be part of the show. Each month, there will be a single theme, and I'll be looking for confessions from you on that theme. January 2017's theme is going to be firsts, since we're just getting started with this. So I want confessions from you that are vulnerable and awkward, that are about failures, about surpassing expectations, about the reality versus the fantasy, about something you never thought that you would experience, but that was a first of some kind, or a first that you're really craving. You can record it in any way that makes sense for you, either on your iPhone or your Android with headphones or using a microphone in your laptop, and then you can email the mp3 file to me. All of the details for how to do that are on sexgetsreal.com for this episode, which is episode 139. And I also want to let you know that moving forward, each month's theme will be announced in the Sex Gets Real newsletter. So make sure you go to sexgetsreal.com and get on the newsletter list so that you can hear the theme for February, which will be announced in a couple of weeks. So all of the rules around how long the confessions need to be, ways that you can submit confessions if you don't want it to be your voice, and some samples of the types of confessions I'm looking for are all at sexgetsreal.com slash EP139 for episode 139. I can't wait to hear all of your confessions. I hope that at some point some of them involve our amazing sponsor, Hotels by Day, because of something delicious and naughty that happens. And I hope you enjoy this two-part episode with listener questions, followed by my interview with My Lab Box. 
The first one is all about names and going to munches. And I love it because, <laughs> because I myself did not think through this when I was new to kink. So here's the email. It says, Dawn, thank you so much for your podcast. The information, the candid discussions, and the positivity are fantastic. I haven't attended any munches, events, or scenes yet, but I'm hoping to at some point. I think I've read enough about general decorum, and I'd like to start as a viewer only to get a feel for protocol. My question is this. Do I introduce myself with my given name or my handle? Most sex podcasts use people's handles as identifiers. Is this how people are addressed initially in person as well? Thanks again. I will tell you that the times I've been to munches, people tend to first introduce themselves by their handles if they have uh, established themselves online as such. So if you are, for instance, on FetLife, and you have people that you talk to online and folks know you by your handle and then you show up at an event or a play party, introducing yourself by your handle is how most people are going to be able to identify you. Now, I did not think that through and I had created what I thought was a really playful and fun and kind of cheeky handle on FetLife that involved the word my pussy and... I went to my first munch after having talked to a whole bunch of locals uh, and had gotten an invitation to meet up with a few folks for drinks. And as I walked in the door and I went to introduce myself, it occurred to me that I was going to have to like put my hand out and say, hi, I'm blank, blank, my pussy. And it was actually rather embarrassing for me. Uh, I hadn't thought about the fact that this name that I was really known for online, I was going to end up having to say to strangers face to face and, uh, people got a good laugh out of it as did I, but I will just say, think about your handle when you're creating something, uh, on a kinky website or in a forum where you may end up doing an in-person meetup. You're welcome to introduce yourself by your real first name, especially if you haven't really been part of the online community and people probably don't know who you are. I think at that point, it's just really your preference. Um, there may be events you go to where names are, are forbidden for safety purposes or for anonymity purposes, but that's usually in the rules of an event um, when you log in to sign up or buy tickets. So I think that it really just depends on how established are you online would people know you better by your given name or by your online handle? If you have been all over the forums and introduced yourself via your handle, then starting that way in person is a good way to just let people know who they're talking to. But uh, that's definitely up to you. And also, if your handle is something you even <laughs> want to say face to face, because I realized very quickly mine was not one that I wanted to be saying face-to-face -face with people. It was just something for me that was funny and online and kind of anonymous. And when I finally <laughs> moved into the real world of kink and interacting with people, I had to give that another thought because <laughs> it wasn't really working for me. So I think that's a wonderful question. And I hope that you get out to some events and report back on what they're like. 
Um, I think that for things like munches, handles are probably going to be a lot more common than, say, something that's a little more intimate and personal, like a play party. Um, your name is, is something that may feel more comfortable for you, for people to be calling you if there's going to be any kind of physical interaction going on or more personal or intimate discussions. So depending on the place, go with what feels good for you and then have a blast. I'd also love to hear from any listeners if you've ever <laughs> picked uh, a somewhat funny, questionable, embarrassing, racy handle online and then gone to an in-person meetup and, and realized your mistake <laughs> when you had to actually introduce yourself to someone. I think that would be really funny to hear from folks. So if you've got a story <laughs> like mine, then please write in. The next email is just a thank you email from a listener named Dutch Husband, and it says, wow, thank you for your advice. Hi, Dawn. Thank you so much for your thoughtful reply. There is so much for me and us to take away from what you said. I'm happy to keep you informed if you like. Keep doing what you do. Thank you so much, Dutch Husband. So for those of you that don't know, um, most weeks, <laughs> I will, I will say most, uh, because I have not been very diligent about the blog the past couple of weeks in <laughs> packing up my house and preparing for a huge move. Um, I've been in this house for 15 years, so moving is, is, um, no small feat, but normally every Wednesday I update the blog for the podcast. It's called Wednesday Words. And if you go to sexgetsreal.com slash advice column, I take listener emails that I haven't had a chance to get to on the podcast or that I just really want to go really deep in. And I know I'm not going to have time in, you know, 10 or 15 minutes on the show to do it. So Dutch husband had written in about his wife really hating his cum and um, being really turned off by it. And that's something that he really eroticized and he was looking for advice. And so a couple of weeks ago, I answered that on the advice column. So if you ever write to me and you haven't heard me respond on the podcast, then there's a chance that it might be in the advice column that I'm writing each week over on the Sex Gets Real website under advice column. Nice and easy. So thank you so much for writing in Dutch husband. I'm really glad that, that my advice was helpful. And I hope that you and your wife find some really fun ways to, to both feel supported and heard and also really yummy and erotic. Another listener named GURP, I hope I'm saying that right. <laughs> GURP wrote in and it says, hi, Dawn, my wife wants to try out some sex toys. She just sent me a message saying she found a place to buy lots of toys for $200. My concern is the quality of the toys. Can you point me to a place where I can get good quality toys? Thanks, GURP. I would be suspicious too. Now, you can get high quality um, body safe toys that aren't super expensive. So there are some toy manufacturers out there that use medical grade silicone or hard ABS plastic or, um, pl or toy materials that aren't toxic. And some of the toys retail for $20, $30, $40. So, you know, there is a, a chance that you could get a couple of dildos and a bullet vibe and, you know, a, a cock ring and a couple of other things for around $200 or less. 
Um, but I think that it's really wise to be skeptical of the materials that are going to be going on and in your body. And so if you're ever looking for uh, resources on high quality sex toys, which usually come from uh, ethical sex shops or feminist sex shops, uh, the first thing you can do is the podcast website actually has a resources page where I list books that I recommend, uh, lube types that I recommend, dildo and vibrator manufacturers that I recommend, uh, and other toy manufacturers. It's a list that just got started, so of course it'll be expanding. You can find that at sexgetsreal.com slash resources. But the best place to go is Joellen Naughty's website, redheadbedhead.com. Uh, she has a really extensive list of all of the sex shops that she knows and has been to that have body safe materials, high quality products, sex education in shop. So these are stores that are really committed to making sure the products that they are selling to people are body safe and ethically produced. And so her sex shop tour, her superhero sex shop tour is online. I'll have a link for this episode, so it'll be nice and easy to click to. But if you go to redheadbedhead.com slash sex dash shops dash tour, or if you just Google redhead bedhead superhero sex shop tour, you'll get to the page where for Canada and the U.S., she's got an extensive list of all the shops that, um, that she's been to or knows of. These are all shops that I would recommend. There's Lotus Blooms in Northern Virginia, Secret Pleasures in DC, Sugar in Baltimore, Maryland, Shebop in Oregon, um, Self Serve in New Mexico. So it's a big, huge list of shops. And a lot of these shops do sell online. So if you aren't in a city that has one of these uh, feminist sex toy shops, then you can still shop and get super awesome stuff uh, often on sale or see if they have grab bags. A lot of the sex toy shops will occasionally offer grab, grab bags. I know that Dirty Lola works at Shag in Brooklyn, New York, and she said they've got a really nice selection of, of both affordable and the higher-end luxury toys. So definitely check that out, GURP. I think that asking questions about the materials the toys are made of is super important because it's better to spend $45 on a well-made body-safe toy that's not toxic than $20 on a toxic toy that isn't well-made and or is going to give you rashes or break down and smells terrible. So it's a great question. And I do hope that you and your wife end up finding something super fun. Uh, so check out those shops and then support support one of the shops because they definitely need our support so that they can keep doing what they're doing. The next email is from a listener named Greg and he's asking for advice and it says, hi, I found your podcast about a month ago and I've listened to about 25 episodes. I'm a 42 year old male and I've been married for 16 years to an amazing woman. I'm struggling with some past abuse that I've kept deep inside me for all of these years. I was molested by my stepfather from the ages of 5 to 15 when I was finally big enough to fight back. My wife and I really want to get some help, but I don't know where to start. We are a kinky couple and have a great sex life. 
I think I need someone who knows about kink and is sex positive. I'm in Florida, and I would really love help with where to start. I don't want to ask a therapist because I suspect they're going to tell me what I want to hear and not send me to someone who's kink-friendly. Thank you so much for your time and your podcast. It's helped me realize that I need help. Well, first of all, Greg, thank you so much for trusting me with this and for writing in. I really appreciate it. And I also want to say I'm so sorry for the abuse that you went through. That's that's something that's completely horrible and deplorable and something you never should have gone through and you certainly didn't deserve I love hearing that you've been married for 16 years to an amazing woman and that you're kinky and you have an incredible sex life. So it sounds like there's some wonderfulness in your life now. And so working on uh, some of the issues that you've gone through in the past and your abuse, I think, sounds like a really wonderful thing to do. You have a support network in place. and, And so I love that you're asking this. There are some really, really wonderful resources available for all of us when it comes to therapy and being sex positive and kink inclusive or uh, inclusive and understanding of non-monogamy or gay, lesbian, bi, asexual, trans issues. So let me share those resources with all of you. The first is Tristan Terramino has a website called openingup.net that came out of her non-monogamy book, Opening Up. And if you go to openingup.net, there is an option for the open list. And the open list is uh, a list full of uh, therapists, coaches, body workers, people in this help field. Uh, I'm actually listed on it as well who are inclusive and understanding of kink, sex positivity, non-monogamy, that kind of thing. And so I actually was able to pull up um, two folks for Florida. So Greg, specifically for you, there is a therapist in St. Petersburg and a therapist in Jacksonville. Um, The Jacksonville therapist also has an office in Wilton Manors. So there's a couple of options on openingup.net under the open list for some board certified therapists and some family therapists. So that would be a really good resource for everyone to check out. And then also the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom has a kink aware professionals directory. I'm going to link to this. The URL is quite long, but you can, you can Google kink aware professionals directory by the NCSF. I will have the link at sexgetsreal.com, but it's a comprehensive directory of folks who are kink aware professionals. So things like lawyers, counselors, psychologists, um, health and wellness practitioners, accountants, uh, doctors, spiritual advisors, wedding officiants. It's a really, really great resource for people who are kinky and want to be able to work with professionals who understand kink and kink relationships. So Greg, this also might be a really great place for you to go. I searched for Florida and there are 62 results for Florida. Now keep in mind, that's all of the professionals. So that's not just therapists and counselors, but just on the first page, I'm seeing a psychologist in Boca Raton, a counselor and a therapist in St. Petersburg, 
There's another counselor in Longwood. So this might be another fantastic place to go where you can find a professional. Now, these people have asked to be on the openingup.net website and the kink aware professional directory with NCSF. So they, they are kink aware or kink inclusive. They know about these things and they've asked to be part of these directories. So it's not like people are putting them in and they, they actually don't know what they're talking about. These are people who want to have these types of clients and, and understand these, these specific needs. So I know there's other directories out there. Uh, Jerome Stewart Nichols has a directory of folks who are people of color and they're therapists and sex workers and coaches who work in all kinds of different fields. And I'm positive that the people on his list are all sex positive and kink aware as well. So that's something else to check out. But I hope that this gives you a jumping off point, Greg, because I think that giving yourself the opportunity to explore this and heal around it uh, is a wonderful, beautiful thing. And I also just want to remind you and everyone else listening, it's super important to find a mental health professional. So be it a counselor, a therapist, a psychologist, whoever it is that you're seeing, that's a good fit for you. And just because someone is a licensed therapist and has tons of amazing reviews, that doesn't necessarily mean they're the right fit for you. It's like any relationship. It might take a couple before you start finding someone who just really feels like a good fit. You might find someone in that first phone call gets you into someone's office who feels really good. But you might have to try a couple on. So give yourself permission to go a couple of times and see if it feels safe and if it feels like a good fit. Their temperament and their way of doing therapy or counseling works for you. And if not, move on and try someone else. And give yourself that permission to be selective so that when you finally decide this is the person I want to work with, you do feel safe enough to really go to dark places and places where you don't have to have it all together and you can be messed up and upset and scared and have the big feelings and, and make mistakes and backtrack and all those things where you can just really be yourself and be open about your hurt and your mess. So I really hope, Greg, that you find someone great. And I hope to everyone else listening, if you're interested in finding some, some support or some professionals who are aware of sex positive stuff, that those resources are a really good place for, for you to also check out. Rachel wrote to me today and you know, it's so hard cause I have, I have questions from like six months ago, but some of them are just, are so special and important that I want to make sure I get someone in like the question that I did with Allison Moon, who can help me like go really deep. So to those of you who haven't heard from me yet, who haven't heard your question read on the podcast or seen it in the blog, just know that for the most part, I'm, I'm either sitting on it on purpose or because I'm still <laughs> marinating on it. But this email actually just came in a couple of days ago and it cracked me up and I felt like it was such a perfect time for this email because of the, the horrors of your episode with Kate Lister. So Rachel, Rachel writes, Bush's comeback. That's the subject line. And it says, Dawn, is the Bush making a comeback? I'm 46 years old and I have two daughters. One is a sophomore and the other is a senior in college. Recently, on a family trip to the lake, 
I was changing out of my bikini with both of them in a bathroom, and I noticed that they both have a lot of pubic hair. Are guys into that again? When I was in high school in the early 90s, I knew guys were into hairy pussies, but I thought it was all about being trim. And is, or I thought trim or bald was in now. My husband likes a landing strip, so I've always kept it that way because it's how he likes it. Perhaps my daughter's boyfriends prefer bush? I know they're getting laid because I hear way too much sometimes, but I'm curious. Is the bush back? Rachel. <laughs> this, this makes me happy for so many reasons. I mean, first of all, to have a relationship with your daughters where you're hearing about their sex lives is fantastic. And also where you all feel comfortable changing and showing your bodies. There are a lot of families where that is not the case. So I love that you are so open with your daughters. And this is a fantastic question. I think that there is a shift happening. I don't think that it's a big enough shift, but I think it's starting where instead of trying to conform, people are starting to really ask, what is it that I want? And I think for young people who especially are really aware of social justice issues and feminist issues, there has been a big shift in realizing that your pubic hair doesn't define your sexiness. Your pubic hair also doesn't define whether or not you're worthy of someone who's sexy and hot. And I've seen a huge shift in the variety of pubic hair and the way that people are grooming themselves or not uh, in a way that feels really good. And so I'm excited to hear that your daughters are using their bodies in a way that feels really good. And I would just ask you, Rachel, it says that your husband likes a landing strip and say, you keep it that way. What would you like? Would you like to go full bush? Would you like to shave it all off or have it waxed completely? What would feel really good for you if you were touching it and experiencing it? Like, it's really great that you like doing what your husband likes, but now I'm really curious. What would you like? What would you like to try? What have you never done with your pubic hair? And it might be fun to to try sometime because it's your body. So you get to decide. And I think more and more people are being aware that they have that choice. And I'm super open to changing mine. Like, I love the way that I feel when I'm completely shaved, but that's just not where I am right now. And that could change tomorrow. Who knows? I might just get like a wild hair (laughs) and decide that I want to shave again. Um, But it's all about me and my experience of my body. Uh, And I also just wonder, maybe your daughters are watching some feminist porn or some queer porn because pubic hair is super common in the more ethically produced pornography than the more mainstream pornography. So it also could just be an indicator of the kinds of porn and erotica that they're being exposed to and watching. But I'm excited to hear that there's some variety out there because I think that that makes for a really fun experience when we all are having fun with the color and the cut of the hair on our head and that we can have that same liberty with our pubic hair and bushes. So are bushes making a comeback? I think they are. And that more and more people are realizing that it's totally okay to have a bush. It doesn't mean that you're dirty or filthy. Uh, It just means that that works for you. So I totally love the way you phrased everything. And thank you so much for writing in with it, Rachel, because it made me giggle. 
And here comes the second part of the episode, my interview with Laura Ivanova at My Lab Box. I also noticed on their Facebook page that between now and December 31st, 2016, they are offering 20% off their at-home test kits if you use offer code GIVETHANKS16. So you can head over to their Facebook page, which is linked on this episode, to get that 20% off if you want to do that at-home test. So this week, one of the very special treats that we have is the co-founder from My Lab Box, which is Laura Ivanova. So welcome to the show, Laura. Thank you for having me. I am constantly talking about STI awareness and reducing stigma on the show. I've had experts on talking about herpes and living with herpes and talking about STI results and how we can make this a conversation that doesn't really have any shame. So I'm really excited to have you here because I know my lab box is actually a really wonderful, unique service. Um, And you've had some like huge developments in the past couple of weeks. So I would love if you could start by just telling everyone who's listening a little bit about what my lab box is. Hi, everyone. Um, I'd love to, absolutely. Uh, MyLabBox is, in a nutshell, the first and only service that is able to offer at-home SDI testing nationwide. Not tasting, testing, definitely. We're not (laughs) actually spreading the infections. Uh, (laughs) No sample SDIs. Um, But let's start from the beginning. So um, MyLabBox is the first and only service that is able to offer you at-home SDI testing nationwide. So we were founded with the belief that things like SDIs and STDs shouldn't be stigmatized, they shouldn't be marginalized, simply because not only sex is natural, but one-third of our U.S. population today is um, living with a sexually transmitted infection. Many of individuals don't know that, but I think 110 million U.S. adults speaks volumes of how important it is for us to start having those conversations and not only just talk about it, but actually start getting tested and frequently. So we were inspired to create the service to really address an issue that we were shocked uh, had spread so wide, especially considering, obviously, a lot of the work of various organizations and nonprofits in this area is now for hundreds of years uh, trying to curb the spread of infections. It seems, however, that those efforts are not simply succeeding. What we believe and what we've seen in terms of our experience in this area is that if you make the screening process difficult and complicated and expensive, Just like anything else in life, people are just not going to do it. I mean, imagine with brushing your teeth, something that should be done periodically, just like STD testing. Um, How many times, I mean, if you ask yourself, would you actually brush your teeth if you had to go to the dentist every single time? And the reality of it is it's not that often, probably less than once a year. The only reason why hygiene habits have been able to become a daily practice and and a routine practice is because they have become uh, easy and accessible. I mean, think of how many times we've seen ads and commercials for new razor blades, the new thing with like five blades now, seven blades, and it (laughs) talks to you when you shave, you know, all of these things. But when it comes to intimate hygiene, uh, that innovation just hasn't been there. Um, It's still the same process. We still deal with going up to an office, having an awkward conversation with a stranger, oftentimes getting information that is uh, not 
complete um, mm-hmm. in its picture, uh, sometimes being judged in the process, and certainly oftentimes being made uncomfortable. And the testing process itself is not completely pleasant. Um, so I think what we've been able to really accomplish is bring the STD and the STI screening um, service home in a way that it becomes as easy and natural as brushing your teeth. It literally takes five minutes. Um, I think, what, the recommended time for brushing your teeth is two minutes at a time. So in five minutes, you can actually complete your STI test, mail it into our lab, and receive your results in about as little as 24 hours. Those results are available online instantly to you. They don't go through any other eyes. They come to you first and foremost. And you are given all the tools and resources you need if you were to have a positive result to actually get a consultation with a physician in your area and even a prescription sent to your local pharmacy completely free of charge. And again, without having to set a foot outside of your home. Um, so this is actually one of the announcements that we just um, made in the in the recent weeks, and we're super excited. We call it our testing to treatment initiative, um, and ultimately we believe that not only the testing should be easy, but the entire cycle. What is the good of getting a result when you don't know what to do with it, um, and and when you don't, you know, when you now have to go through another round of hurdles to figure out how to get treated? So we are yet again removing the hurdles for all of our users. So not only you can get tested in five minutes, but you can also have a prescription ready to go. Um, so you can start your treatment in under 24 hours from receiving your results. And correct me if I'm wrong, but is there also a service that connects people who get a positive result with um, some type of counselor that helps them talk about it and learn how to navigate having that positive result? Absolutely. Um, so let's say the worst case scenario is true. You have received a positive result for an SDI. Um, the first thing you need to know is that it's really nothing to, to worry about. Knowing that you are positive really is the first step to you being going back into uh, full health. Uh, because once you know, you can actually take those steps to get treated. Many of these infections, and most of them in fact, um, don't have any consequences, any serious consequences for your health if they are detected early and treated as soon as possible. So mm-hmm. really screening frequently and, and getting as fast as possible to the treatment protocols is super important. So what happens at my lab box if you do get that positive result, you actually have a certified STI count counselor. These are professionals that we operate with in every state of the U.S. um, who will reach out to you to answer any questions that you might have. So you don't even have to figure out which number to call. Uh, We will have one of our counselors connect with you and make sure that you're okay, make sure that you, you know what your positive result means, and advise you in terms of the best next steps for you to get to treatment. If you would like to go with the free consultation through one of our physicians. They will connect you. Um, If you prefer to go to your own doctor, then they can give you advice to that. If you're looking for a hotline or for some additional information in the meantime, they can also advise you what are those resources. There have been so many stories from people who have had really difficult experiences with doctors Mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily the fault of doctors that they receive so little training when it comes to human sexuality and pleasure and um, being able to have these difficult conversations and helping patients to learn how to talk to partners and lovers. You know, that's just, that's not something that our current medical system is, is set up to support people around. But I think you're right that it also makes people 
either really wary about going to get tested or because it can be so difficult to even find a clinic to go to, depending on where you are, that often people delay. And, you know, I think one of the hardest things is just the stigma. So many people would rather not know so that they can live in that ignorance than know and then potentially have the responsibility of having those conversations. But, you know, one of the things that we talk about on the show all the time is that one of the most powerful things you can do for anyone is allow them to make choices about what they want to do with their body. And so if you know, for instance, that you have herpes or that you're HIV positive, if you can confidently communicate that to a partner so that they can say, oh, well, this is the level of risk I'm willing to take. And then the two of you can end up having this like really hot, delicious sexual experience that maybe, you know, just has an additional, additional barrier. Like that to me is extra empowering. Absolutely. And you're right. I mean, the statistics are there. Um, There's a few recent articles that came out that are really um, shedding some critical light on the subject. But I mean, the the numbers are staggering. Less than 3% of, uh, I think, millennials, I believe, that recently um, or have visited a doctor in the recent years have actually been suggested to test for STDs. Mm -hmm. This means that 97% in a country which you know, one third, you know, 30% mm-hmm. of people are infected, um, are being recommended to, to test less yeah. than half of adults have ever tested for anything other than HIV. And granted HIV is the worst and most serious infection that you could possibly come across, but it also is in terms of cases and impact, um, of infections, it is a fraction of what infections like chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, trick, and others, um, as far as the numbers of infections every year, have as an impact on our society. So it's pretty shocking. And I, I do think that, in general, our uh, physicians and practitioner, health practitioners could benefit from um, kind of a more comprehensive look at <laughs> the, the human health. Um, but I think, ultimately, the reality of it is, is it's probably, at least for us at MyLabBox, it seems to be easier to educate the the individual rather than to try to change the way that their health system operates. I mean, hopefully with a more educated consumer, the physicians themselves will start um, recognizing and become, you know, seeking that information and and offering it to their patients a little bit more willingly. But, you know, change has to start somewhere. I know when the uh, instant pregnancy tests came out, um, they were faced with much of the same kind of skepticism as at-home STD testing has, is encountering right now, which is, you know, well, how do we know, you know, what happens? Well, no, you can't do these things without a physician around. You know, women are, I think the phrases of the literally um, headlines of articles of the time read something like, women are going to be jumping off of bridges if they found out that they, you know, they're pregnant <laughs> on their own, um, you know, and we don't see many jumping off of bridges happening. Um, and I, I think in the same way, knowing that you're, STI positive um, is not going to necessarily result in uh, kind of a zombie apocalypse. I think, mm-hmm. if anything, it's going to really give the power back into the hands of people who care most about their own health, which is the person mm-hmm. <laughs> who's experiencing that infection. So um, the quantified self, the on-demand, everything, the the way that our society has developed, even when it comes to our dating lives, you know, now we're swiping left and right to meet our you know, next sexual partner or fling, you know, um, has shown us that 
that's really the way to go. Um, give the power to the consumer and uh, educate them and let them make the best decision possible for their health. Yeah, it's interesting that you say what you did about millennials and testing because it's occurred to me as you're talking that every single time I've ever had an STI panel done, it's because I specifically asked for it. Mm -hmm. And then my doctor found a way to make that happen. It's never been, I'm sitting there talking to my doctor or my OBGYN and they ask me um, if I'd like to have it done. You know, I've had to be very proactive and for people who are already interested in being proactive, you know, I love that my lab box just comes to your house and then you get to do it in the privacy of your own home and then you send it off. And I think you're so right that being able to not only offer the convenience, but also in communities where going into a clinic or going into a doctor might be something that can cause gossip or make you feel ashamed, or maybe you're younger and going to the OBGYN could potentially out you as having any kind of sexual experience. The the anonymity and the confidentiality that comes with being able to do these things at home, just like the pregnancy tests, you know, I think is a really powerful thing. Absolutely. And I mean, even with proactive users, and one thing that we did when we started looking into how to make my lab box possible is um, our my, myself and my co-founder, we decided, well, I guess we'll have to go get tested in all of these different ways and places, you know, and just be able to compare um, what that experience really is like across the board. And um, even for a proactive user, let's say in some of these cases, we would say, okay, I want to get my annual checkup and I want to test for a full panel for STDs. Um, and not just us, we've heard that from other of our users as well. The, some of the reactions from physicians surprisingly was, well, you don't look like you're high risk or, mm-hmm. um, oh, I don't think you need to worry about it. When was the last time you got tested? Five years ago? Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, it's not. So frankly, <laughs> anytime you you have sex with a new partner, you should get tested ideally before and after that encounter um, and give it some time to make sure that any incubation timeframes have been passed because it could take a while for an infection to show. So it's um, it's been kind of a surprising journey for us because we thought, you know, well, Sometimes we think that, okay, if I'm proactive about my health, that, that, you know, naturally means I'm going to do, be better at it, but it still seemed like there was a lot of hurdles, even for users who are actively seeking to get care in our system. I was poking around your website, which for anyone who's interested, it's mylabbox.com. There's two Bs. Um, and I noticed that you have some resource pages, one of them including incubation and testing timeframes, which I think is a really powerful tool for people to have access to so that if they have potential exposure, like I recently got an email from someone who said that their friend was potentially exposed to hepatitis C. And so knowing possible incubation and testing and how to kind of manage follow-up tests, I think is a really wonderful thing for people to have access to. And then I also saw that back in September, you all uh, announced that you were allowing STD testing for minors. So for people who are 16 and older. Yes. Um, and both of these things are extremely important. Um, on the first one, in terms of the timeframes, it's not something that we naturally think of. Um, usually kind of the test panic happens 
after an instance in which you think you've been exposed to an STI. Maybe you've had a partner, uh, an encounter with a partner who's told you that they're infected, Uh or you just, you know, the condom broke, or you you didn't use one, and you wake up the next day in panic, uh, wanting to rush to the first clinic to get tested. This is uh, when you need to stop. Uh, As hard as it sounds, you actually need to wait for, you know, about three months, roughly, Uh Um, in order to really get reliable results, um, some several incubation timeframes need to uh, pass uh, before the antibodies can be defe- detected in your system and the and you can actually be diagnosed. So, uh, as hard as it sounds, if you think you have been exposed, uh, wait for about three months and then get tested. The ideal frequency for testing, typically depending on how active you are, is three to six months. Mm -hmm. So periodically, you just need to do this um, to get in a habit of um, verifying that you are still in good health. We do send you reminders to do that, so Mm -hmm. um, you don't even have to think about it with regards to the last time you tested. And uh, we just want to make sure that you're optimizing the frequency of your testing for the best health possible. Uh, minors um, are an important addition to our service. Um, initially, we launched as 18 and over. But the truth of the matter is, um, as much as we'd like to think children are children, um, more and more young adults are becoming sexually active sooner and sooner. Mm-hmm. And many of them in that age um, have a particularly hard time uh, discussing that subject. Um, for various reasons. They're also under the biggest peer pressure um, to become sexually active. Many Mm -hmm. of them haven't really had proper education yet when it comes to sexual health. So there are all sorts of misconceptions like oral health, uh, I'm sorry, oral sex is not sex and oral sex does not cause STIs. And maybe they know about HIV, but they don't know about syphilis or chlamydia or HPV um, or many of the other possibilities that they could experience. Or they think that, you know, looking at a partner um, and checking for bumps really is the way to know if they have an STI or they don't, Um, as well as they have limited uh, testing options. I mean, in terms of what a young person can access um, on their own, it's hard. You know, uh, the campus physician is not necessarily the most pleasant and and kind of peace of mind uh, place to go to. Um, You know, sometimes people have a hard time bringing this up to their parents or to their guardians. So it's really important for us to um, educate if we really want to make a difference in people's life over the course of their lifetimes, the sooner we start educating and giving them the opportunity to access testing, I think the better. So one of the things that you had mentioned to me was the importance of also talking about extra genital testing mm-hmm. and kind of what that involves. Because I think a lot of people have uh, some assumptions about what testing looks like, complete testing. And so I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Absolutely. Um, extra genital testing, just to kind of tell you what it is in simple terms, it is basically testing you for sexually transmitted infections that begin um, any place else on your body other than the genital area. What that means is oral sex, if you contract an infection during oral sex, that infection begins in your mouth. So if you do not Mm -hmm. test your mouth after oral sex, um, there's about 20% chance that the infection will actually be missed with the conventional testing process. Same thing for rectal infections. Um, Anybody that's engaging in anal sex, the infection begins in the side of exposure. So that means that your anus, taking the rectal area, will be the first spot of your body to get infected. Again, 20% chance 
that a conventional test will not detect that infection, um, and it, it may take a little much longer time before it becomes present in a test that you do um, in your genital area down the line. So. Testing the conventional way works for 80% of infections, again, but um, if you are engaging in oral sex or anal sex, it's really important that you actually test all sites of exposure to be, to be safe. Um, it may take a while before the detection occurs, which means that any sexual partner that you engage with following the infection, another, that's another blowjob or another adv- adventure, you know, you are ultimately exposing yourself and that inv- next partner to a risk as well. Mm-hmm. Even though you're pos- you may be testing negative um, if you, you know, let's say peed in a cup or mm-hmm. did the usual um, vaginal test. And the extra genital tests are just swabs that you run inside your mouth and around your anus, isn't that right? Yeah, they're very non-invasive. It's just like a, a Q-tip. You've seen it in the movie Gattaca. <laughs> so you basically swab your cheek or, or just your rectal area. You don't have to penetrate or do anything strange, um, and it, you just get your test that way. Um, same thing with our conventional tests. Um, I know some of our male users sometimes email us and it's like, oh my God, do I have to stick a Q-tip in my penis? That is not the case. You pee in a cup. It's just as simple as it can be. It's not painful. Um, and it's for women, it's just as easy as basically inserting a tampon or, um, just again, using a Q-tip to swab your vaginal area. So I have two other questions for you just about the whole process. The first is if someone were to order one of the kits for at home and they were going to do kind of the, the full spectrum of tests just to kind of kick things off and, and see what their results were, what are the different activities that they would do in order to complete all the tests and send them back to you? So what they need to do is they go to mylabbox.com or they can also buy our kit at amazon.com and walmart.com. They order the kit. The kit arrives to their doorstep in about one to two days. From the time that they open the box to the time that they complete their sample collection, it takes literally five minutes. We've timed this not just with ourselves, but with people who are just seeing the box for the first time. So five minutes from the time that you open the box to the time that your sample is ready to be mailed back to our lab. Um, Again, the sample collection is extremely simple and Mm -hmm. pain-free. There's just a few steps in the process. You either pee in a cub or you swab your genital area. Um, and or the site of infection, you mail in a small, put a small sample in a test tube. And you put this in an envelope, which is provided to you, so you don't have to pay for any additional shipping. It's pre-addressed, so all you need to do once the sample collection is complete is just leave it in your mailbox for the mailman to pick up. Um, the test results, once the package ships out, um, depending on how fast they arrive to the lab, but they. It takes about 24 hours to up to five days tops for your results to become available online. As soon as they're available, you will receive a notification in your inbox and you can just log in and check your result. Again, we talked a little bit about the, the process with the positives. And if you are negative, obviously, you get the peace of mind right then and there. Um, and then you can just return back to normal and move on with your life. We will send you a, a reminder to get tested in another three to six months so you can stay on top of your health. Yeah, and that's just one of the like key things I really want everyone to take away is that if you have some type of potential exposure happen, getting tested the next day, which is kind of the urge that that 
you know, we would have, I mean, it's the same thing where Mm -hmm. if you have a pregnancy scare, it's like, all you want to do is just go get that pregnancy test and test right now, even though that's not going to tell you anything. And so just making sure people know that, you know, after potential exposure and incubation periods, it might require multiple tests over a series of weeks or months. And so having this as an option sounds like a really nice way to not have to go back to the doctor multiple times and have multiple conversations, but just being able to have this delivered and take care of it and send it off sounds really easy. <laughs> Absolutely. And and the best news is it's we've made it affordable. So it can be you can afford that out of pocket. Why this is important is because that means that your information is not shared with any insurance uh, information agencies. So ultimately, the fact that you've tested for STIs, how often you test and what those results are, remain completely um, your ownership. The ability to also claim you can actually use your FSA or HSA card. So if you have any of those health savings account, you can use those cards to purchase those tests and and save additionally. And if you really want to potentially file a form with your insurance, if you really want to use that, um, it will you will be able to recoup the cost of the laboratory work itself. So there is a way to do that with the service as well if you really wanted to um, to go through the insurance. Do you have plans for getting this on the shelves and physical store locations at any point? We're working on that. Um, And yeah, we would love to be able to make this available in stores as well. I think um, for most of us, online shopping has become such an easy thing that Mm -hmm. it was really the no-brainer place to start. But definitely as we grow, that's our goal is really making the box as accessible and easy to find as possible. So it really, you know, removes any possible hassle from your life, even potentially getting on top on your laptop. (laughs) You're so right when you were talking about like oral hygiene and that the easier it is to just get our hands on toothbrushes and toothpaste and being able to you know, take care of our oral health on a day-to-day basis at home, the more all of us started adopting those practices. And so I love that this is available on Amazon and on your website and Walmart so that, I mean, that's where probably most of us do our shopping these days. But I also love the idea of like, hey, let's the two of us on date night, like go to the store and get our kits and do this together. And then you know, it's a way to like not only bond, but be able to have the conversations. And so I, yeah, I just, I think your approach of starting online is great. And then expanding out just so that there's every possible way to get people's hands on this is such a fantastic thing. Yeah. And I do think that, you know, what, what more romantic of a thing than, you know, starting a relationship with somebody who cares about your health as much as they do about theirs. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think integrating something like, you know, let's test together. Um, you, obviously, you know, you can just have a glass of wine, <laughs> uh, collect your samples and just spend some time together, get to know each other better before you, you dive in and, you know, mail those tests, get those results in, in a mm-hmm. couple of days and proceed with a peace of mind. Um, I think ultimately it relieves a lot of relationship tensions and a lot mm-hmm. of pressure and a lot of fears. And there's already so much insecurity that we have with our bodies and, you know, with, uh, with everything when it comes to a new partner, yeah. let's take one thing off the table so we don't have to worry about it. And we can really just focus on the rest of the relationship. Yeah. And even like there was an article, I think it was in Playboy recently on playboy.com. Uh, and it's a really wonderful article about how being in a monogamous relationship doesn't protect you from 
getting an STI. And there was this wonderful study that was conducted talking about how either because people don't really know their status and or because people often define monogamy very differently, that even if you've been in a very long-term relationship with someone, there's still some risk that you could be exposed to STIs, either because of the long incubation period or because of infidelity. And so even if you're not new to dating, even if you've been together for 10, 15, 20 years, this could be a really wonderful way to have that conversation and just also offer that to each other. So I I just love the possibilities. Absolutely. That's a very important point is, again, um, you may engage with a partner who is currently testing negative, who is just within their incubation time frame. Um, so three months down the line, um, you know, you find out, they find out that they have an infection. At this point, you've already been infected. Um, and it becomes a little bit more challenging uh, for monogamous relationships as well. As you said, um, it's, people have different definitions of what that means. And, you know, sometimes there's cheating involved and, and it's not necessarily... Uh, a small percent of relationships that at some point experience infidelity. And I think it's important for us all to just be realistic. And it doesn't mean that you don't need to trust your partner, but I do think it means that you just need to take care of your health collectively as a couple, um, just the same way as you would, you know, working out together or just getting fit um, is making sure that both you and your partner can build a healthy relationship and enjoy good health. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, for people who <laughs> are interested, dream, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's amazing. It's, this is what I want everyone to feel comfortable enough to be able to actually talk about and do without, you know, the embarrassment or the awkwardness of the shame. And, you know, I've told, I've told my story on the podcast before, but like I've been in situations where I was worried that I might have been exposed to a potential STI. And even like as an expert who talks about this all the time, Mm -hmm. sitting on that table, I had all kinds of really yucky feelings coming up because I was so scared of like, will this mean my partner leaves me? And what does this mean for me going forward? And, and just being able to recognize that like, we're all in this together. We're all feeling awkward around it. None of us have you know, grown up with the training and the practice and having these conversations, but we have to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as we get more practice and as we have these conversations more frequently and as access becomes easier, then we all get better and level up together. I agree. And we deserve it. And I think, frankly, it's 2016. We deserve a better way to take care of our health. We deserve peace of mind. We deserve to have better relationships. We deserve to love better and to live better. Um, And I think, you know, that's one thing that we just need to demand from for ourselves and for everybody else around us. And uh, that's really the only way that we are going to change anything and, and start feeling better in our bodies. Yeah. Well, I would love for you to share with everyone one last time how they can find you online and learn more about My Lab Box. Absolutely. You can find us at www.mylabbox.com. Again, there's two Bs. Uh, you can also follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's coming soon on Snapchat. And uh, just uh, connect with us. If you have any questions, we have 
chat, we have email, we have a way to get a hold of our customer service via phone call. Ask them, ask away. Uh, don't be ashamed. Again, we are not recording your calls or in any way going to be following up with you. We are really a place where you can go and get a peace of mind uh, for you and for your partner moving forward. So we look forward to seeing you at mylabbox.com and helping you off to a better start and better health. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all about your tests and the importance of knowing your status. I really appreciate it, Laura. Thank you. Thank you for having me on there and I look forward to talking to you soon. Yes, absolutely. And to all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you will go check out my lab box. Of course, all the links that were just mentioned will be on sexgetsreal.com. So it'll be a nice, easy click to either follow them on social media or to pop over and get your own kit. So thank you so much. This is Dawn Sarah with Sex Gets Real.